Well, we continue on in our sermon series based on the book of Esther this Sunday morning. And as we prepare to do so, please go with me to the Lord in prayer. Gracious Lord, I pray that you would speak through me and perhaps even in spite of me. And so let the humble words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing to you, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Last Sunday, in a marvelous way, Pastor Lindsay uh, gave us the first part of the book of Esther. Uh, Pastor Lindsay is a wonderful storyteller. I'm just going to try to keep on uh, going. I'm going to put on my best uh, LeVar Burton reading rainbow hat and and try to move forward. But what I want to do is uh, a little bit of a recap of, uh, of last week, a little bit of a recap because what I, the focus this Sunday morning is looking at the shape of the, of the book of Esther and what it might mean for us. And so think about this book in the shape of a butterfly, if you will. Uh, you've got wings at the beginning and end, and then there's this animating body there in the middle. And so we want to take a look at this, this shape of, of the book. So here's the, the brief recap of the, the first wing. So, so we learned this Jewish community is living there in Susa. You've got the main characters of Mordecai and his niece Esther. And then you've got, as Pastor Lindsay said, you've got what some call King Xerxes or, or Hasuerus, um, but he's the king uh, of the area, and he is like a petulant, drunken frat boy of a king. That is who uh, he is, and that is his character uh, throughout this story. And then you've got Haman, who is the villain of uh, the story. And then you have a character that is never actually referenced in this story, and that is God. I mean, some of you I know went home at, at Pastor Lindsay's encouragement and read the entire book of Esther, and you flipped through all of those pages, and you noted that God was not mentioned anywhere in this book. But that doesn't necessarily mean that God isn't present, and so we'll talk more about that later. So, you know, as Pastor Lindsay so well set up, you've got the king who is this partier, he uh, deposes his wife because she talks back and he doesn't like it. Then he does this beauty pageant and Esther hides her Jewish identity. She becomes queen. And then her uncle Mordecai, who's her adoptive father, overhears a plot to kill the king. And so he, he tells Esther, Esther tells the king, the king has those who plot his destruction uh, killed, and Mordecai gets the credit. And then time goes on, and then Haman becomes the second in command in the kingdom. And Haman is full of himself, as we have learned. And, and Haman says, look, everybody, I'm, I'm number two in this entire kingdom. Everybody ought to bow down to me. I'm going to put this decree out there. you got to bow down if I walk by. And Mordecai says, you know, I'm not going to do that. I'm Jewish. I don't do that kind of thing. Uh, I'll, I'll do this for God, but not for you. Uh, and so this infuriates 
Haman. Haman is a, is a prideful man. He is extremely self-centered. Everything is about him. Everything is about his power, his authority. It's part of what pride does. It makes one self-centered. Now, pride also makes you foolish. You don't listen to anybody. Uh, pride can make you dangerous. Because anytime, anyone, anywhere doesn't show you the kind of respect you think that you deserve, you try to figure out a way to destroy them. You, you rationalize, you justify their destruction. And I'll say a little something else about pride, which we'll talk about in our, our next sermon series, our Not In It To Win It sermon series. Pride is also extremely immune to religiosity unless you really discipline yourself. And here's what I mean by that. Religiosity in so many ways can help us with many of the sins that beset our lives. It doesn't mean you're going to be perfect overnight if you're a Christian or if you're a religious person, but it helps and over time it can help restore those broken parts of your life. But often, if you are a very prideful person, you make religion your ally. And haven't we seen that in our world? Prideful people making religion their ally and making their, their views even more extreme unless there is some discipline of humility, which is also a spiritual discipline, unless there's a discipline of humility that mitigates this pridefulness. But Haman is a deeply prideful person. And so Haman is, is, is drunk at the time. There's, there's lots of drinking in Esther. Lots of poor decisions are made by everybody as they, after they've had too much to drink. And so he says, all right, I want a, a 70 to 80 foot spike built. Some translations call it gallows, but we think the more accurate translation is, is a spike. He wanted a, a 70 to 80 foot spike built. And then he said, I'm going to put Mordecai on this. And, he, and his pride didn't end at, at Mordecai. He says, it's not just Mordecai. Everybody who's Jewish, we're going to kill. Not just Mordecai. And then he goes to bed. In fact, here's another point that's, that's really important. He tries to figure out, so, well, you know, when are we going to kill these Jewish people? Because it makes sense to calendar your malevolence, I guess. And so he takes what is called a dice. It's called a purr. He takes a, a dice and he rolls it to figure out what month he's going to execute, tell people to execute all the Jews in the land. He does all this and then, then settles in for a good night rest. Well, the king is also having trouble sleeping, and the king does like we do and tries to figure out something boring to read. And so he asks his, uh, uh, one of the servants to come over and says, look, could you just read the royal chronicles here? I'm sure this will help me get to sleep. And in the reading of it, he remembers that Mordecai saved his life. 
I said, oh, man, i got to do something for that dude. So then the next day, uh, they're in the court, uh, and uh, Haman comes in ready to have this plot to kill Mordecai and execute all the Jews. And the king says, hey, uh, Haman, before you, before you say anything, let me, tell, let me ask you a question. So hypothetically speaking, if there's this guy, he was a really awesome guy, awesome dude, who really served the king well, lifted him, lifted him up, helped to protect his life. What would you do to honor a guy like that? Well, in Haman's pride, Haman thinks, well, he must be talking about me. So he says, well, you know, I'd say, well, give him a royal robe. And then take the, the person with the most authority in the land and have him escort this guy around on a horse so that everybody could, could honor him. So that he could share, so he could share really in the king's glory. Because that's what Haman wants after all. That's what his pride wants. And so the king says, oh, that's a great idea. That's an awesome idea. So Mordecai, Mordecai is this guy who's done this, and I think that we should enact your plan. In fact, I think you need to, because you're like the second guy in the kingdom here, I think you need to be the guy who puts him on the horse and walks him around town so that everybody can celebrate it. And this is the pivot. This begins the body of the story, of the, of the butterfly. Remember that butterfly image. This is the body here. This is where it begins. The story begins to pivot. The roles begin to reverse here. And Haman thinks, well, I can't kill Mordecai now. That plan's over. But I've already made the decree that all the Jews are going to be killed. So at least I get that. And then goes the, the remainder of the, the story, as Pastor Lindsay tells, told us last week, and, and Mordecai encourages Esther. Esther, who, by the way, is, she is a queen, but she is, she's also humble. And she doesn't presume that it should be her role to, to, to just barge in and, and tell the king, how he ought to do it, but she's, she's humble, but she's also a person of courage. And so she, she does it, and then there's the, you know, for such a time as this, this quote that is there. So then comes this next part of the book where Esther throws a couple parties. And so she throws party number one, and the king and his BFF uh, Haman come in and she says, you know, okay, so I'm going to, I want to throw another party in a couple days and I want you guys to come and I got to, I'll have a request for you, O king. And the king says, that's great. That's great. You throw the best parties because this king is drunk most of the book. Uh, so he comes back for yet another party and he's, he's been drinking a bit and Esther confesses something that she's been hiding. She confesses that she is Jewish. And she says, there's this person who's plotted murder for your people here. Uh, Jack so well read uh, these verses 
for us. You know, King, if it pleases you, uh, give me my life. That's my wish. Uh, and the lives of my people, too. That's my desire. We've been sold, I and my people, to be wiped out, killed, and destroyed. If we'd simply been sold as male and female slaves, I wouldn't have said anything. But no enemy can compensate the king for this kind of damage, the kind of damage that this decree is about to do for your land. So the king signed off on Haman's decree earlier, but he wasn't really, he's kind of a pushover. As well. He's not only petulant and drunken frat boy, he's also a pushover. He didn't really take into account what this meant and what it was going to cost both him and the kingdom. But Esther is reminding him of what all of this costs. And King Ahasuerus said to Queen Esther, so who who is he? Where is he? Who would do such a thing? And then she looks over at Haman and says, your BFF Haman, that's the one who's done this. And Haman was, of course, terrified. So then, furious, the king got up and left the banquet for the palace garden. Again, he'd had a little too much to drink, but, but Haman stood there begging the queen for his life there in verse 7. I told you, Jack, it's a very important verse. Um, and he saw clearly the, what the king's mood meant for him. And then the king says, here's what I want you to do with Haman. I want you to go and take that 70 to 80 foot spike that he tried to put my new BFF Mordecai on and I want you to put Haman on it. So Haman is executed. But Haman was uh, smart or tried to thought he thought himself smart. And he, as a part of this earlier royal decree, says, look, you can't go, no, not even the king can reverse his own decree. And so then Mordecai is elevated to second command in the kingdom. And Esther and, and Mordecai think together on this. And, and then a, a, a counter decree is created where uh, the king says to the people, to the Jewish people, hey, this other decree is out there, and so on this day, these people are going to come and get you, but you can defend yourselves. Uh, and, and so they do. Uh, the Jewish people defend themselves. They uh, start with the family of Haman, and then they go to anybody else who who assisted Haman, and then anybody else who's been anti-Jewish, anti-Semitic, if, if you will, in the entire land. And after all these folks are wiped out, then they decree that there ought to be a two-day celebration of this. And they call this celebration Purim. Remember what I said earlier, Haman cast the dice to figure out what day uh, or what month the Jews would be destroyed. The dice was, uh, it's called a, a pur. And so purim is this reminder of this reversal 
of Haman's uh, activity. And this, it's celebrated as a festival in the, in the Jewish community to this day. Last, this, this year was early March, I think in 2024, it's going to be uh, uh, late March. And, and it's even the case, as some of you know this, that um, in, in Europe, um, years later, as, as Jewish people were observing this uh, festival, um, there is a, a, a dessert that has been created, hamantaschen. Anybody ever heard of hamantaschen? Anybody ever had hamantaschen? A few of you have. Uh, in March, uh, go to Weaver Street. They've got some. Uh, you can get it there. Um, if you're not like me and don't have rabbi friends who drop by your hamantaschen, you can go and get it for yourself in, in Weaver Street. And it's, I mean, you got to be really bad to have a dessert named after you that people eat to celebrate your destruction. That is how bad Haman was. And so the book concludes with Again, um, Esther there as this celebrated queen, uh, a humble queen, but a queen of great courage and conviction. And Mordecai there is this supportive family member who's helped her. And, and the people have been saved. And you look back across the book and you think, gosh, there are so many coincidences in this book. Things just had to line up in a certain way for the people to be revealed. And that is meant to tell us about how God works sometimes. You look at the characters in this book. You look at even Esther and, and, and Mordecai. They weren't perfect people. They're not lifted up as models of virtue. There's a lot of drunkenness and there's a lot of uh, death and there's, there's uh, eating food that is not kosher uh, and they're marrying Gentiles or all these kinds of things that people at the time would read and go, that's probably not the most observant Jewish kind of a thing. But they hope and they trust and they're people who are people of a deep and abiding faith. And we see how God moves even in the lives of people who are not perfect, people whose lives are messy, to accomplish God's purposes. And that's meant to give us hope because, my gosh, I don't know about you, but sometimes I feel like that, don't you? Don't you? Uh, when our lives are not perfect and we wonder, well, how's, how's God going to use me? How's, how's God going to use us? How's God going to use a church that is not perfect, a Christian witness that is not perfect? And, and then we read books like Esther and we see how God works and moves in the lives of people who are not perfect to accomplish good purposes in the world. This is God works in all of us through all of us to accomplish good purposes in the world. Here's one other thing that I want you to see here in this book. Remember Haman, this prideful fellow who wants to be the person on the horse sharing the glory with the king. 
That's who Haman is. That's what pride does. We see this humble witness and this humble strength of, of Esther that points us in a different direction. And we see this, this humble strength also in the life of, of Jesus. We saw it in Esther, and we also see it in the life of Jesus, who humbles himself. You see, Haman wanted to ride the horse and share the king's glory and then participate in the destruction of people. But Jesus gets down off the horse. Jesus lifts you and puts you on the horse. It says, won't you share in God's glory with me? And Jesus doesn't work to participate in our destruction, but Jesus works to participate in our salvation. That's what, that's what humble strength, like Esther's strength does. It's the kind of humble strength that we see in the life of Christ who lifts us up so that we might have life and so that we might share in God's glory. And so my challenge to each of us this week, as we think on this amazing story of Esther, is to remember that God is working through your life because everyone is here for such a time as this. You are everywhere you are for a reason. That reason might be a simple gift of love and care to the person next to you because they really need it. But you are where you are for a reason. And God can move through you in amazing ways no matter how messy you think your life might be. And the second challenge is this, is to remember how the humility of Christ saved your life and gave us the model of humble strength uh, for our lives in the world so that people aren't moved to destruction, the destruction that pride leads to, but people are led to, to life and hope because of what humility points us to. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Hello, this is Justin Coleman, Senior Pastor at University UMC, and this is our podcast. I hope these messages engage your mind, touch your heart, and inspire you to serve God and your neighbor. Check us out online at universityumc.church. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening to our podcast. You can visit us at universityumc.church where you can find services, events, and other ways you can get involved. Remember that we love you. We hope you have a great week. We hope the peace of Christ is with you. And we hope to see you soon.